All right, Chris. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Richie. We rolling? We are. We're up, man. Yeah, we're right. up. We're up. So from what I saw, which is really interesting when I bumped into your channel, is I even have it up right here, is you started off with like this really interesting like Photoshop like tutorials. <laughs> yeah. And one of them did really, really well. The one where you were kind of integrating the, the flashy cars into flexing culture. And I, I want to know what made you go from that, which seems very TikTok-y, you know what mm. I mean? Which is probably what you were trying to kind of search where you fit in to where you're at now. I mean, I see like a couple of things about running, but now you're kind of just like talking to the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Take me on that journey on starting TikTok to where you are now. Dude, well, I've been making content for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I think I started in 2015 or 14 on YouTube, which never took off, never went anywhere. I've created a lot of content for other creators. So YouTubers that have like millions of followers um, or have smaller followings, but they're making like millions of dollars off of their channels. Mm. Um, so I like, uh, I've wanted to do content creation. Um, I think probably everybody does in, at, at some level, whether or not they actually do. Um, cause you're either a creator or a consumer and there's like something f that feeds your soul about creating stuff that people appreciate, even if you're not being rewarded for it, um, monetarily, you know? Yeah. So for the TikTok thing, like I was just kind of messing around and having fun um, with the Photoshop stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that went viral. It got like almost 2 million views. And after that, I was like, eh. that was like a, a one-off thing. Like I'm never going to have another video that does that well. Um, and so my buddy and I around that same time were trying to build a running YouTube channel because we were like, you know, running is like a weird sport where there's no fan base. It's not clearly represented in terms of like uh, people being interested in it, which is no surprise because it's a super boring sport. So we were like, what if we made a channel to get people just interested in it in general and like create a feeling on what it's like to be like a really dedicated runner and how epic the journey is and everything so we did that youtube channel i posted some clips to tiktok that didn't really do anything and then um i don't really know why i did the like thoughts and quotes or whatever um but i heard you know um i saw it on twitter it was the you know bees don't um waste their time explaining to, to flies why yeah. honey is better than shit and so I made that one and that went viral. It got like 1.5 million mm -hmm. views. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll keep doing this stuff. But I've, um, I build websites. So my, I have a small business, small studio. We design and build websites, web-based apps and mobile apps. And so I was like, well, I'll just do what's working and then sprinkle stuff in there about good design and, um, see where that goes <laughs> so i'm still kind of figuring it out honestly i mean you've been posting very consistently i can see that like it's almost like is it a thing where you just batch them and then release them or do you kind of do them once a day twice a day when you feel like it um i'll like batch them yeah i'll do like 
I mean, they're not very long clips, sure. so I'll like film for an hour and get seven or eight and use the best three that I think, um, you know, the best three thoughts or ideas that feel right after I, wa- I rewatch them, you know? It kind of reminds me of the community that I've been exploring on Twitter called uh, Build in Public. Have you heard okay, of that Okay, what do they do? So uh-huh. it's a movement started by this guy called KP. That's all I know so far but the essence of building public is to do everything that you're doing and building your product but online in front of people this is what i did today this is the kind of metrics that i'm having so you have some pretty decently sized no SaaS companies that are showing their mrs their monthly revenue um interesting yeah Yeah. just showing it's almost like having a investors meeting online and that's public that's 100 percent public that's Um, really cool it's very interesting and so uh the person who uh did copy.ai you know it's very interesting to see his journey from zero to you know he's doing a couple hundred thousand a month now and, and you can see all the posts that led up to that and the the movement is really taking off and i've just started to dabble my my feet into it and trying to understand well if i'm doing this how does that relate to something that's not a tech company is there a way what are you up what are you uploading to it like what are your plans on oh shoot what are your plans on like what you're going to be uploading to that for everybody to see like the process of building precisely so that's unknown right now because it works very well for building a tech product or building a physical product what about your podcast you could do the podcast precisely what metrics do i show or how do i present that in a way that shows sort of the evolving process of a podcast because in a way a podcast is already complete once you are putting your stuff out there you only get better in the tone your voice your style your content Mm. I might disagree with that. Go ahead. I disagree. <laughs> well, if, Go ahead. If I was going to do what you were doing, yeah, I would say that the process is like, there's a few things you could track that would be really interesting and so helpful for people that are wanting to start a podcast, especially if you blow up. Mm. So like first thing is that um, at the beginning, you got no viewers, right? You got no downloads. So the first thing to track would be downloads. The second thing to track would probably be guests and their network. Mm-hmm. because like that's the second you know so that because if you do those two things you could see a direct correlation you know so so probably what i would track is downloads and then the guests that you have on and how many followers they have on their social platforms so that you can see the moment that it takes off because there's probably going to be like a handful of guests where you like blow up yeah. because of the guest because i mean that's kind of how podcasts are you yeah. got to have somebody that has a, a an audience already they hear that person on a show and that's their introduction to the host and if they love the host then they're on board you know yeah yeah um or maybe you know, a kind of graph where say for instance it's me almost like a family tree where it's like it's like me and there's nobody and then it's like me and then you and then somebody else. And after time, I could probably build a graph on how these people connected with each other and the scale of their audience probably just growing. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that you could track. Yeah. That you could like, I mean, you could show the growth for a podcast. Also, like there's pivots you're going to make. Because like a, we were talking before we started rolling, like I've done a lot of podcasts in the mm-hmm. past that I've started and I've killed every single one of them. Because <laughs> I just like, after after a few episodes, I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, but if you know you're going to do podcasting and like that's the thing you're going to stick to, you're probably going to be shifting like you said not just like the tone of your voice but like kind of what it is even mm-hmm. like right now it's a podcast about creatives and the creative process and creating content but it might shift away from that into something else that like gains traction with people and that you feel more comfortable with yourself mm-hmm. and um you know if you can show you know, if you can show those points over time for people to realize like oh okay like I might be 25 episodes into this thing and I'm not feeling it yet, but this, this guy's podcast wasn't taking off at that point either. Yeah. Um, Cause that's the whole point of this. Uh, what did you call the, the group on Twitter? What, what was it um, called? Uh, build in public. Cause that's kind of the point, right? So people yeah. can like observe and see and like, cause that's the question everybody has. Like, how, how did, did you do start? this? Like, yeah. Yeah. Every time I go on somebody's YouTube channel, one of the first things I always do is look at their first videos. Just <laughs> yeah. to see how they start. And it's it's always both humbling and impressive. Yep. Like have you seen I don't know if you know who Linus is, Linus from Linus Tactics. Um I've seen his stuff, yeah, I know who he is, yeah. I mean, have you seen some of his first videos? I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, so, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's it's just this nerdy guy that was would probably be the stereotypical kid that got bullied for being nerdy about mm-hmm. computers if you sort of cast him in that box type of like his energy his vibe like really yeah. into the computers and he mentioned it in one of his um later episodes where he was live to the community and he's saying it's amazing how what he started was and where it is now like there's 10 million people that watch this person that had he kept that same frame of mind like i'm just a nerdy computer kid like only youtube can do that yeah and have you i assume you watch his stuff at least semi-regularly in in some way shape every now and then yeah yeah. what's interesting is the stuff of his that i've watched i would never attempt you know it's like Like, today we're going to be building a computer i mean i don't i don't even know i couldn't even like like with 10 graphics cards right exactly something like that yeah something stupid and it's like wow yeah i'm gonna watch this you know like i have a buddy i was talking to a while ago and he's like super into welding videos right now which is super weird he's not a welder he's yeah 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 but he's like telling me all this stuff about welding and everything that he's learning and it's just uh it's funny i had a face if you go on yeah go ahead well, it's just funny because YouTube will take you down these paths where you just find that one interesting creator and they make their craft so interesting that you you just kind of rabbit hole automatically. Like I was watching exactly, yeah. this guy talk about gardening. I just had a problem with my grass, weeds growing everywhere. And all I was searching for, Chris, is just how to get rid of a particular weed. This guy comes on, super charismatic, nice wow that's interesting 10 videos later i'm still watching yeah yeah it's crazy i yeah. mean anybody anybody can make it anybody can blow up um and i think that uh you know i guess to what you were talking about earlier 
I think there's a lot of value in tracking your progress at the very beginning, but most people don't because the beginning is just like hard. It's cumbersome. You also don't know what you're doing. So you don't know what you should be tracking in the first place. But my friend and I that started this running channel, he, his name is Rush. And, uh, he is really good at helping people get started in running because he's so good at remembering because I've been running since I was 14. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking long distances. Like there's been weeks during college where I'd put in like 70, 80 mile weeks. And, um, that's insane. It, <laughs> well, when you get like that far into something, yeah. you forget what it is like to start. Yeah. So somebody's like, Hey, what are your tips to start running? And it's like, I don't even remember what it is like to not have run before, but my buddy rush is really good at that. And so he'll like give advice to people that I'm like, well, I never would have thought. What do you think say he would that. say? Well, he, he always tells people that you just get out, the, get your shoes on, get out the door and go for a five minute run. Cause you can do anything for five minutes and you don't have to run the whole time. Just do it three times a week. And then once you're consistent for a month or for a week or whatever it is you want to do, then go out and do it every day. And then after you're like good at that, focus on running for the full five minutes. Cause really like people have a lot of problems that come up physically, you know, achy joints, sore muscles, stress fractures and stuff that crop up from trying to take on too much too quickly. Yeah. And so his whole philosophy is that but you know if you ask somebody that's been doing it for a long time like me for instance like i would never i just don't even remember what it is like to have it be difficult to run for the first two or three minutes you know um but but rush is just like i he's really good at that um but taking that into consideration if somebody's trying to like get into the game of starting content what would you say to them or what do you think rush would say i guess the same thing just start putting stuff out there you know even if you don't know what you're like i mean if you look through tiktok most tiktok creators um because it's a new platform a lot of people are just doing what everybody else is doing mm -hmm. and they're not getting a lot of views but that's a great start is to do what everybody else is doing to get familiar with your process and what you're good at and what you're not good at and whether or not you're comfortable doing it and um, you just kind of, you just got to start putting stuff out there, you know, um, whether or not it's good. Do you think the number one killer of like really like creators that would have popped off was maybe them just feeling like imposters or just not being able to figure out what it is they want to do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think that um probably the fastest runner in the world the richest person in the world the um best scientist in the world all of those people are probably all those people that exist right now are probably not the highest potential human beings for that subject it's like if you have the fastest runner in the world there's actually somebody else who probably naturally could be much faster, but they never tried running. Mm. I think about this a lot, you know? So yeah, exactly. Like or I don't just even didn't get the opportunity. Didn't get the opportunity or never even tried or yeah. like gave up too soon. A hundred, a hundred percent. 
Um, I think that's the case across all verticals and pursuits. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I it almost makes you, <laughs> well, no, that's fine because it, uh, it brings up into question too, you know, when some people say like anybody can make it and just work hard. You know, what do you, what, what comes up when you hear something like that? Dude, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky because, I mean, we know that people come from absolutely horrendous conditions and have made something of themselves. I mean, what, Steve Jobs from Syria or something? And Was he? You know, yeah, he's some Syrian. Um, I, I have no idea. Yeah, he was like adopted. Um, oh, but, yeah. but like of, of all these interesting people, you know, a lot of them have pretty horrendous like even um the lady who wrote jk rowling um mm -hmm. i mean her past is is pretty colored you know like it's not very rosy at all um and and she tried many times to get that book published she went to it a lot 30 or 50 different yeah. publishers turned her down something like that and so yeah, how I mean, many yeah go ahead oh i'll let, I'll let you finish your thought well Sorry. i'm just i'm just jumping on what you were saying before like how many other jk rowlings are there that stopped at the fifth publisher exactly <laughs> it's exactly true except it's really interesting right now because um like what opportunities exist are always changing too so mm -hmm. could jeff bezos do build what he's built if he had to start today probably not because like it's a completely different environment so mm -hmm. i don't know when it comes to creating stuff i feel like a, a lot of the people that i've worked with that are insanely successful just happened to be creating the right type of content at the right time and so i i sort of feel like there's this like really big value in quitting early but trying a lot of different paths um over a period of time because um I made the mistake early on when I was younger um, of like trying down a path for too long before saying, you know what, like maybe it's me, maybe it's what I'm doing, maybe it's something else, but this is, uh, oh, let's see, um, what happened? It says uh, to prepare for movie shooting. You're making a film, uh, Chris? No, I'm using a, a new camera as my webcam. But, oh, you're um, pushing the feed through it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, so where was I? <laughs> um, I think that, uh, yeah, you, you have to have a combination of luck and being good at what you're doing. And it's a really, dude, it's a, such a hard, like, puzzle to solve if you're trying to be a creator. And I think that's probably, that's probably the mistake people make. They want to be a creator and they want to blow up. Mm -hmm. And so when it's not working out, they either quit or, um, yeah, this is getting kind of messy. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not because I'm going to, I'm going to pick up where you left off. Why do you think that people equate? I want to be a creator to, I want to blow up. It's never, I want to be a creator. Let me start this journey. Yeah, you, you, so you feel like that's the case most often? Is people so. want to do it because they want to blow up? Well, if you, if you think about what 
consumers are most yeah most consumers are exposed to the people that have blown up so you think there has to be a correlation between this creator thing and a blowing up but you don't realize that took them 10 years to do that took them 10 years to go up yeah no i definitely um because i think there's like a almost a seduction to the idea of being able to make a bunch of money by just like running a camera all day and um i think that what people see i mean you know this what people see on screen is so much different than the process that goes into it it's Um, a whole world yeah and a lot of people i think wouldn't be happy with the process of creating so like you were saying i think the only creators that wind up blowing up are the people who are doing it because they love it and those people granted are paying attention to metrics you know so i I think it's important to pay attention to what isn't working so that you can like kind of pivot and adjust but you also have to be paying attention to what you love doing because then you get stuck in some like very messy situations that i've observed um and thankfully have avoided myself but um you know i know some creators who have massive followings i have personally filmed and edited stuff for them um and uh i gotta be careful here yeah they're in a situation where they are stuck and i know they see like a time frame like the the door closing on their opportunity because they've Mm. niched into and boxed themselves into this thing that a isn't sustainable b i don't think they're happy doing it anymore but since they have like so much money tied into this thing they've created it's sort of like um they can't stop you know right they're on the Um, perpetual treadmill that people talk about yeah have you heard of that the youtube treadmill yeah man yeah that's a spooky place to be especially for youtube because youtube like has such a high um it's a high not high barrier to entry but it's like a a high standard you've got to maintain like it's not easy to put out a 10 minute video on youtube that's engaging high quality um is paced in a way that people are going to stick around and watch it yeah and if you if you wind up where that's successful but you're doing it every day you kind of you know it's a hungry algorithm man exactly (laughs) it's a very hungry algorithm and it's it uh, from at least the the creator that i know very close friend of mine i mean she got like six hundred thousand followers within like two years it's it's incredible and i was there like the whole time it was really amazing and she wasn't particularly i would say excessive with what she was doing in terms of yeah in, in terms of like her personality and camera like you know people will like a logan paul if you know who that is very out there very i'm going to go to japan and scream at people in english because it's funny type of person yeah that kind of (laughs) will that'd get tired real fast well i think that was what was happening to him the same character that got him to where he was wasn't matching up with the maturity that he was experiencing i mean when he started he was like what 16 18 that's kind of what they do they don't care yeah but as you get to your mid-20s or i'm thinking maybe approaching 30 now maybe i don't know 
he's still I think he's young 20s maybe young 20s right. but he's still in that pigeonhole you're talking about and I'm sure he probably had to work to kind of get out of it and he did because he started the podcast that he has now and that yeah. you know showed people a bit more of a more mature side to him I hope I didn't lose you there Chris wait oh there we go there we go we're back not yet no okay okay (laughs) yeah so you know it it always makes me think about like even as I'm doing this I I think geez where am I going to be in five years am I going to want to do this and that's scary too right but you're doing it oh yeah yeah that's that's because that's the other thing like if you do the podcast and you run it for three years and it ends up not working out or you decide you don't want to do it you're going to pick up so many connections so mm-hmm. many skills that you're going to be able to take on to the next thing you know and um my tiktok account is not big right now mm-hmm. um i don't necessarily like by the way he says sure. with hold on let me just scroll up here for a minute he says with 76.5 thousand followers it's less than it, it, that sounds bigger than it is i know <laughs> especially tiktok <laughs> metrics i know exactly yeah but um like pretty much everything i did in terms of like content creation prior to this didn't work out mm-hmm. but you pick up stuff all along the way and so by the time you know this tiktok uh account started to grow like i had all the stuff like i had the cameras i had the mics i had the editing experience the color grading experience like which some of my videos are not graded very well. Not that I wouldn't know. I mean, it <laughs> looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Then again, I'm watching um, it on, you know, most people are watching it on that, so. Yeah, on a mobile device. Did you? What are your plans then, Richie, for like the, I, I, you didn't mention that like early on, like do you have like specific, like a specific vision for this show? Yeah. As it grows? What yeah. are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to tell you that, and I'm going to tell you something that I, posted to Twitter that I want to talk to you about about age doesn't matter and the fut- and then after that is the future of design because I know you talked about that for a how old are you? I am 31 almost 32 I would not have guessed I know I look very you look very, very youthful I know <laughs> I do not drink alcohol or smoke or anything and that retains my youth <laughs> yeah um, the plan for the show for me is more about both putting in a spotlight of where I am right now with no followers and sharing each being more exposed on what I'm experiencing each step of the way and the reason why I'm doing that is for the very same thought and question we were talking about before like not many people remember what it was like to start and not many people were sharing some of their deepest thoughts as they were in the bath like what would it be worth to hear what jeff bezos was going through year one at amazon like, yeah that would be incredible to and have. you'll never get the story either because like it's just it, gone he he can rewrite his own history now wants, yeah you know? yeah but how amazing yeah. would it be to have a youtube channel where he was just like hey guys like i'm starting amazon da 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 like shit dude <laughs> like i would watch that, that cool. like yeah you know or 
the same thing for um, Steve Jobs or J.K. Rowling when she had lost her kid from miscarriage and she was like trying to get her thing published and she had to sleep at her sister's place because she didn't have a house. Like that would be worth its weight in gold. Right and what's now. interesting, dude? Um, do not mean to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead. the gatekeepers that existed back then, especially for like you know the example of J.K. Rowling they don't exist now and so i feel like the authors of tomorrow the directors of tomorrow have a much better chance of being discovered if they're documenting their process i think so. you know um because right now the biggest podcast in the world is joe rogan yep um and when he started nobody was doing it so now I, there's another thing like would joe rogan rise to the top if he was starting his podcast today maybe maybe not but you have a better chance of rising to the top if you document the process, I believe, um, because you've got the show, number one, and then you've got um, the documentation process wherever you're posting that stuff. So you, you've doubled your pathway to discovery for people to find your stuff. It's almost like idea. it's almost like multiple income streams, right? You never know which one is really going to do well but you have all of them so that oh, yeah. if you realize one is really gaining traction you can lean into it and if you lose one it doesn't matter but you had five others and so I think people are trying to increase the targeted noise that they're making online mm -hmm. because yeah. you know it's, it's, it's a very very noisy marketplace but the interesting thing about the internet is it's extremely meritocratic if that's the right word meaning like something that's done really well is going to get shared like crazy i hope it stays that way i hope it stays that way too but the research that i've been going into virality and why ideas spread doesn't really point into that direction but let's see how long that, we can keep it so you're saying you don't think it'll be a meritocracy of quality content for much unfortunately long. no no i think in the next maybe 10 years we're going to see a very different internet 10 to 15 years yeah, um and unfortunately i agree with that yeah yeah um there's there's just many factors pointing to an internet that's highly um controlled and and who rises to the top when and how much um is a lot more controlled than you think even right now there are people that are blowing up purely because there's a button that the platform can press to expose them artificially. Mm. And um, one or two creators have been caught. Um, there was a girl who does, I think it's like a camping in a van video. And people were so, did you hear about that? It's a girl that just blew up overnight. So. Yeah, first video, she had like, went from nothing into like 1.2 million subscribers or yeah is that, yeah. that the girl yep that's yeah. the same Unruined girl video yep and remember that it made no sense even top creators were confused like there's nothing particular particular uh special about this this girl that so what was the what was she exposed for like what what actually wound up coming out with that story? so so nothing has been official in terms of youtube saying well yeah we artificially exposed her but from the consensus of creators that have been doing it a long time, most if not all agree that this was some sort of artificial exposure. Mm -hmm. Just by 
by how it happened and who the creator is. You have to think, these creators know, kind of have an eye for what would do well. They've been doing it for years. They've been here since the beginning. Now, does it mean it's true? I don't know. I'd be more inclined to say it's probably just like a, not a a bug, but something within the algorithm that like some sort of positive feedback loop that develops where the algorithm itself is is the inside job that sure. pressed the button. It's not like a person saying, let's blow this up. It's just sure. kind of like a random positive feedback loop. Like a one in a algorithm. billion like alignment yeah. that just happened exactly. to be the catalyst to what spread it. So here's two reasons why I disagree. And it's going to be really yeah, interesting. Right. One, I believe what you said when it comes to views because you have to understand there's a massive conversion rate that calls like if you get a million views you might get a thousand subscribers from that that's true for hers have gotten 1.2 million subscribers you're talking views in the trillions you're right that's a good point especially for just one video because you never subscribe to the first video you see of somebody even if they have a ton of content already never you're right that's so true here's the second point there is fact that TikTok does artificially expose certain creators or over index and overexpose certain creators there's also fact that they suppress creators that are deemed by the people who are moderating ugly or poor looking interesting very interesting that's stuff. crazy very interesting I'm I've, pretty sure I'm shadow banned right now on TikTok <laughs> oh, actually was it for the um the video where the girl was talking about sperm <laughs> uh may no i don't think it was that one um i actually posed there's actually two that okay. um i think i got shadow banned for so the first time i didn't realize it um and i actually removed these last night to see if they would do anything so i had a video i posted a while back okay about whether or not your website will f- survive the next lockdown um so I talked oh. about some issues that a lot of businesses had on their websites when lockdowns happened last year. And they were like, we just got flooded with all these people that were mm. like, we need all this work done to our website because we can't place online orders and we need this fixed yesterday. But there was, I mean, literally thousands of people that came in with that same request. So we couldn't take all of them. Mm. Um, but it, you know, I saw a pattern. It was the same issues that they had in place that they had just not bothered to fix because it wasn't an issue because people were coming in in person so i made a video on that on tiktok and i had mentioned the pandemic and a while ago i I was going back and reading through some comments and i realized that they had pulled the sound off of that video Mm. Um, and it wasn't political or anything like that i just mentioned that the pandemic put businesses in a tough position because they were missing some stuff on their website and what people should do in case there was lockdown 2.0. And so I noticed that after that, the four or five videos I had posted after had like views in the hundreds or thousands. Whereas like I was averaging tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Did it have music? It did. It did it. I don't think it did. That one did not have music. That's very interesting. Um, so then I posted another one a couple of days ago about um, this one was like a little bit more political, but um, basically what I said was, you know, everybody always freaks out about, um, 
you know, the new Republican president or Democrat president is being the person that's going to drag the country into the depths of hell or whatever. But right. my argument was that actually the biggest threat to people's freedoms, liberty, happiness, health is big tech and censorship. Mm -hmm. I remember watching and, and that's that. what people should be watching. Yeah. And so yeah. after that, my engagement went way, way down again. And, um, and maybe was it's that just one? A, so that I posted, I think, last week. And the other one was posted when? That was probably three weeks ago. So three weeks ago, there was um, potentially an update to the algorithm. Everybody's views was down. Yeah, that's interesting. But the sound pull is what's interesting for that one. Yeah. Um, so that's where I started going, okay, that's interesting. Not the views, it's the sound pull. And that's why I asked about music. Yeah, I mean, I've seen that happen before. The other thing that's really interesting is, um, you know, I pay attention to like trying to read between the lines on how the algorithm works because mm -hmm. they won't tell you, but like we build apps all the time. And so there's things that you can like kind of guess as to what they're doing. And one of the things that is um, seems to be true with TikTok is if you have a like ratio that's higher than 10% of your views and people are engaging and commenting you're likely to continue to get views until that like to view dips ratio down. dips below 10%. Mm. Seems to be like a, a big factor within however, however they're like um, determining whether or not to continue pumping your stuff to the For You page. And um, so after I posted that one about censorship and big tech being a problem, there was I had posted a bunch of videos where the like ratio was like on that video itself, the like ratio was like 25%. So I had like, you know, I, I forget how many views I pulled like it down. 250 it likes to every thousand views, apparently. Exactly. So it was a really That's high insane. ratio, the yeah. highest ratio I've had on any video, except it stopped getting views, which mm. was, was really interesting. And everything I posted after that got, insanely low engagement and so it's crazy because they didn't come out and say like i was in any violation of anything but i have a really big feeling i was shadow banned on tiktok for that video because it was like not it was critical of big tech and government and so now what is crazy makes me really sad and pretty upset actually because i always thought that tiktok like was new enough that people can say whatever they want and that's part of what makes it such a cool platform um but now guess who's self-censoring this guy yeah because i don't want my stuff to not get seen because i share the wrong opinion but now i'm not going to be sharing opinions so i have some other thoughts on that like i mean we we could talk about it or not but i started researching like some of the like more politically charged um accounts on tiktok what did you both find? on the left on the left and the right i looked at a bunch of accounts and again like i'm not pulling code because sure. you can't really determine a whole lot um by just visually just look yeah right um so but having built things that are similar um what i can say is that it seems that they're making a distinction between accounts that are primarily political and accounts that are not but then share a political opinion so mm if your stuff is always about like um politics and current events or whatever 
and you share the wrong message, um, whatever TikTok deems that is, sure. they might pull the video, they might ban your account temporarily, but it doesn't seem like they are doing shadow bans on those accounts because those accounts pull viewers, viewers down yeah. like a rabbit hole, you know? Oh yeah. But I think what they're aware of and trying to control, um, and again, like, I mean, this is just kind of guesswork, um, but it seems that they don't want people getting big as like a prank account, you know, or like a comedy account and then saying the wrong political thing because those people have like real influence and they're not going to be written off as like a crackpot, you know, or like some, some crazy person that believes in, you know, <laughs> who knows what. Yeah. Does that make sense? So that's just kind of So they I, don't want you to get big and then because they weren't keeping tabs on you from before you could get big and say hey actually and they're like well shit we don't want too many people to hear this because that's going to mess up how we want our platform to flow is it something like that um it might be i personally what what i think it more it is more about is that um they they, I think they're trying to keep people, creators, in their lane, so to speak. Um, and, and I don't think it's a good move, but um, I, th I think it would be the equivalent of um, The Rock, right? Endorsed Joe Biden um, prior to the election. Mm -hmm. And so if The Rock is on TikTok and has a ton of followers, um, I think that there's, I think they don't want people like that coming out and saying you know what this isn't going so well we should have voted for trump right not saying that that's the right or sure. wrong thing right or sure. wrong opinion to have but i think that i think that if you're a creator like that that is not a pol political account they don't want you saying certain things on the platform which is really sad because i always felt like tiktok was some a place where people could just like say whatever they want and mm -hmm. then the meritocracy of people deciding what's trash and what's not kicks in you know that that's the way but, that the internet should work but it's run by a chinese <laughs> company though that's the ironic thing yeah so so i talk to my wife about this all the time yeah. i think the irony is that because it's a chinese company they're more willing to let crazy theories or statements from both the left and right be shared on tiktok because mm -hmm. it's bad for morale in the United States from their perspective. Oh, we I think could go that down because, that road. <laughs> yeah. I think because it's a Chinese company, they yeah. they are okay with people spreading misinformation on both sides of the political spectrum. Crazy. Um, and I <laughs> ironically though, yeah. it's made TikTok like a safer place to share ideas than Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, which um, and Facebook, you know, which uh yeah, a safer anyway. place to share ideas. I've never heard that before. So, um, what are your feelings on on the the big ones? Google, Facebook, and I see what um, you're saying, I Twitter, think. in terms of like sharing like your opinions and ideas. What do you think about those companies? Like, right. do you feel like it's free and fair or right. pretty I see, controlled? I see what you're saying. Yeah, the the tech companies are extremely controlled. More to you saying stay in your lane it's more like stay in the lane that we approve of exactly yeah yeah, yeah. and and um, I don't know if you know about like Project Veritas or something but they've definitely yeah, yeah you know it was pretty not shocking but to hear some of the things that was said by 
the people that created the algorithm um, for Google, which was ML fairness, which is what they started to implement into the algorithm on how yeah. to show certain things. Um, one of the heads of CNN openly using the word propaganda in terms of like we're definitely we're going to make Trump look like a bad person type of deal. It was really interesting yeah. to see all these companies maybe not openly talking to each other, but in a way having similar thoughts on you know, how they want to see the internet, which yeah. they then know will propagate into the real world as those lines kind of blur more and more. Yeah, which is sad, you know, it's disappointing yeah. because I, I sort of, my personal opinion is like censorship is always bad. I think we should hear from the worst ideas and the worst minds on both sides and those people will burn themselves out naturally. Yeah. But the minute somebody gets silenced, they're martyred. Yeah. So the crazier their statements were, the more true they become, even if they weren't true at all. You know, like once somebody is martyred and taken off of a platform because of something they said, yeah. everyone on their side has a reason to latch onto that. Well, if yeah. it wasn't true, they wouldn't be trying to shut him up. Yeah. And then you have some like real dangerous things in play all of a sudden, you know, it's not yeah. just some crazy person that made something up. Now it's got truth behind it. And it's, what do you think about Alex Jones? Oh my gosh. Alex Jones. <laughs> what do you think about now? We're getting dangerous. Oh, man. I what know we're going, <laughs> Chris is like, all right, let me let me test this guy first. I don't want to do the wrong thing. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I mean, you can you can treat this similar to like a Joe Rogan platform, meaning like just you know, it's it's you can say what you what you want, and I believe in what you're saying too. Like, good ideas will rise, bad ideas will fall. Um, I'll tell you what I think. It was very interesting, first of all, to see his sort of deletion from the internet. I didn't even know mm -hmm. that could happen. And it was crazy, yeah. To to see someone get wiped off the face of what most consider a public forum was scary because I didn't just think about Alex. I thought about, oh, wait, he's saying something over here that they disagree with. But as we've seen, this line just keeps moving ever slowly towards everybody everyone and so one day it could very easily be me or you but something we said 25 years ago it's not like they're even using like okay well you know you said that before these rules change that's what's happening on youtube people's videos that they made 10 years exactly. ago are, are are getting their accounts completely shut down um but last point on alex jones which was interesting i don't know if you saw his two interviews with Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, I listened to those. <laughs> what did you think? Oh man, well I'll tell you, so Richie, Alex Jones, here's the thing that's interesting about Alex Jones from yeah. my perspective. Sure. I was listening to Alex Jones 10 years ago and listening to Alex Jones for me mm -hmm. at that time was the same as having a conversation with my friends about Bigfoot and aliens. Sure. Like sure. really fun to entertain the crazy ideas, but I'm not invested in it. Sure. You know, like I would listen to him for entertainment purposes. And right. This guy is crazy. Right. Every now and then he would say something that I agree with, like government's corrupt. You know, like 
right. I'm more of a libertarian. I think people should just like learn to leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the government's job should be to enforce that, and that's about it. Right. That's my personal like limited government. Opinion. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, but what's crazy about Alex Jones is the the most wild shit he was saying ten years ago all happened. Yeah. It all wound up being true. So it's really weird that like um, it, it kind of goes back to that martyrdom thing. Like he was removed and at the world that we're in right now, it almost seems like he was removed because he was right. Like right. he said a lot of stuff that for sure is not right. But sure. most of what he said that was crazy, that people were like, this guy is a crazy person. It's nuts. Yeah. Wound up being true. Yeah, the two big ones were, you know, Oh yeah, they've got a child sex predator. <laughs> the government's coming to take your children, and take yeah, them off yeah. to a secret island. Jeffrey Epstein's molesting children. Now, now, and if you just think about that statement, right? If you just stop and think about that sentence, you think that's even crazier than fiction. Yeah, but, here but the we Jeffrey are. Epstein thing is a hundred percent true. The only thing we don't know. Right. is who he had on the island the connections and yeah the, the other thing that was really spooky like i mean uh, alex jones is just like if you if you follow all of his stuff like he was the most fun person to watch because mm-hmm. he was he was the equivalent of watching a zombie movie you know yeah. oh the government's gonna come yeah. in and you're not like, gonna be able like to go the to the ball games. <laughs> <laughs> i love it anyway, yeah <laughs> all the stuff he said about like uh, you know forced vaccination and um I mean, is the vaccine like a sterilization tool for the elite? I don't think so. But, you know, so that's one of the things that he said that I think probably will prove be proven to be wrong. Like, I think the vaccines are vaccines. The sterilization thing was was it, it's hard to it doesn't make sense to sterilize a populace. That's why I'm like, eh, that's that's kind of hard to, you know, whatever. And I, I mean, see it happening. Well, it happened in a way. Well, I don't in, think in, it's happening. Yeah, I don't think it's happening. I mean, it happened in a way in Africa. I mean, that's that's another story. It happened in a way in Africa, so I understand how they drew that conclusion. But yeah. the the it just wouldn't make sense in this case as much as I thought about it. So it's like, eh. But interestingly, when he was saying that the virus was made in a lab, and anybody who said that, how they were silenced. I mean, that turned yeah. out to be true. It. I mean, it even turned out the U.S. had connections to to the virus, which yeah it crazy makes you think it makes you think um you know the 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 part about alex jones that and this is the last thing i guess before like cia comes running into (laughs) (laughs) to either of our places you're not allowed to mention his name (laughs) you know but as i was watching the video which you, you said you watched as well um joe rogan said very similar things to what you said and i'll agree with as well like he's an extremely entertaining person um and i think both his personality mixed in with the things he says and how he says it make him a very addicting person to watch right Mm -hmm. um but what joe rogan was saying is that as surprised as he was at 98 percent of what he was saying turned out to be true he's he's trying to coach alex and saying that's also the reason why i think they banned you because not the true thing but it's the how you're putting it you put it in in such a way that it being true doesn't enter the realm of possibility because it seems so much like an act so crazy exactly that's so true so 
it was, I think, also very easy to delete him because there was no sense of seriousness to what he was or saying. Fact checking or, or fact checking. Or, Joe yeah, Rogan said that as so well. So fast that, like, yeah, there's there, he, he makes no time to go back. Well, I mean, I guess he does, but it's just like, um, yeah, you're right. No, no fact checking and things are said just kind of like off the hook, off the hook. Yeah. And he's like banging like the a, table, exactly. and he like throws yeah. papers everywhere, which I think there's can... a video of him like running around his studio. <laughs> I haven't seen that. One. No. Oh my gosh! It was like it was uh, the night of the election when it was Hillary versus Trump. Oh my and god! He looked, dude. It is the funniest video I've ever seen. There's so many memes about it because he is like running You're around make me look this shirtless. Up. <laughs> oh, you got to look it up. Yeah, look it up. It is the funniest clip. I have ever seen <laughs> um but but i i just i just wish oh my god dude <laughs> and he just rips his shirt. yeah he rips his shirt off like the hulk and goes running off into the darkness oh man and and i think that's what joe rogan was saying you know like you have an amazing mind because i mean think about this like alex he remembers all of these things just like he's just like like that yeah. and he's speaking yeah. at a million miles an hour but it, it, the way how he does it, it it's hard to really sense the seriousness of what he's saying because it just seems and i mean of course there's people that you know take what he's saying and then blow that up and you know sure yeah. um but you know i i watched like five minutes of his show the other day and i was like oh yeah i see it like i see why they would both a want to get rid of this guy and also i would see why like it's hard to take him seriously too and again like i don't have a good or bad anything about alex jones to me this is all just an observation you know yeah because he is the beginning of essentially the theoretical end like when is it yeah i mean because like the thing is like you don't want to self-censor you want to create yeah and it was like you were saying before we started the show like i think that there's like a really deep need for more creators in this world that are like motivated just by creating things that provoke thought or help people tap back into their humanity and that's the big one like i feel like that's the really big one is helping people tap back into what it means to be human because like i'm I'm watching not just the country anymore, but the world be torn apart by two diametrically opposed religions of mm. the left and the right. And it of is religious. Ideologies. Yeah. Yeah. It it's is. religious because there's people on the right that are like, um, I mean, basically getting up every morning, dear Lord, Donald Trump, please return to this. <laughs> like as, as, as like a, you know, like way over to the right. Right. And then there's also, way. I'm sure. You know, way over to the left, and, too. Yeah. Yeah. And on the left, like, people are like, I see comments from people that are like wishing death on those that have chosen not to get vaccinated. Yeah. And that's like, you know, just fucked up. It's, it's, it's awful. It's awful. And sorry. It, Should I? No, uh, no, no. No, it's fine. It's I don't fine. know what you're, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's <laughs> the Joe Rogan rules, man. We can talk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the thing is, you know, the most interesting thing to me about the two ideologies is I'm sure as you're seeing and as all creators are seeing is that like there is an approved ideology. Mm. And I think it's 
bad for creators that are starting out to like you were saying like children we need the space to fuck up we need the space to exactly. explore the boundaries and the limits of our creativity to do cringy shit to do um uh, thoughtful stuff to explore ourselves in all these dimensions to see okay this is who i am as a creator this is the direction that i'm going and i'm i'm just as sad as you are to see that there will now be an approved way to explore yourself at some yeah. point you know who's interesting to watch i'm sure you're familiar with um i think it's awaken with jp yep you know yeah. the redhead guy? yeah yeah he's really interesting because when i first started watching him i really loved his stuff mm. but he, he seems to it would i've always thought he's somebody i would love to sit down and talk to just privately because i wonder um at the beginning of his content creation like he just seemed to have like very insightful content mm. um that kind of pointed out some strange things going on in the world and how people tend to you know tend to latch on to things that aren't necessarily going to make them happy but now his, his content is shifting like very seems like very far right because like mm. that's the base that he maybe unintentionally developed mm. and I, I wonder if he feels like um disingenuous or if that's like really him like the, really the mm. content that he wants to be creating um and and that, that's a real problem right now i think because it's so easy to appeal to like one of those two bases yeah but who actually like you know believes everything that somebody on the right you know that, that like right wing people you know that what am i saying here it's like each side has their own ideology but i think very few people agree with 100 percent of what's being said by the left or by the right like hmm. most people have an overlap into into both sides and probably most people have like a lot of um things that are contradictions in how they view the world and and believe in things are hypocrites and like we need to live in a world where it's okay to be a hypocrite and evolve and change your mind and hold ideas in your head that are opposed to each other um because if not then what are we doing what are we doing what are we i mean that's what makes people human is the messiness of it you yeah. know and yeah and and that falls so perfectly into the religion of both sides or the religion of ideologies now because to submit yourself to a religion is so much more simple than exploring multiple sides or multiple thoughts all you gotta exactly, do is yeah. all delete them follow everybody else follow what they're doing you know yeah and if the person leading the charge gets more extreme which they have to do to continue to kind of up the ante you can see how you want go on. dude i'm so glad i'm so glad you said that because yeah. that's what it is like i mean that's what communication winds up becoming is like you just yeah. have to like top what you did last time and it's it's not just that way for left and the right and political ideologies like i see that with creators too like yeah. that's yeah one of the biggest traps you fall into is like um family vloggers i've spent oh, a lot man. of time around family vloggers wow yeah and there's big money in family vlogging yeah but let me tell you like that is that is a trap that no one wants to fall into because you wind up 
nobody's life is that interesting truthfully yeah. you have to make um, it interesting you gotta make it interesting yeah and you gotta make it more interesting today than it was yesterday and that is a uh it, yeah it's it's funny that people don't recognize that that's what's happening politically yeah. because the family vlog space on youtube is the perfect like um the perfect case study for like look this is how you keep people invested in what you're doing or what you're saying or what your belief system is it's by upping the ante every single day until you're just like <laughs> in crazy land you know yeah and a lot of them got in trouble yeah that's a, that's a, that would be a tough space to be in i know yeah. i know a few people who have done it and they've like kept like a really level head and they're oh, really good. amazing people um but that's the exception to the rule yeah definitely i think it's messy especially when kids are involved yeah because kids tend to be the reason a lot of people tune in yeah and then you wind up monetizing your children's development yeah and that's that's a dark place to be it's it's no longer about the joy of a child growing up it's more of like just leveraging like their cuteness their camera ability you know what i mean it's it's they're no yeah. longer human they're just like a brand of child and yeah and the other thing that's really mm -hmm. tough yeah about that is like when things when when bad things happen like kid gets hurt or sick mm -hmm. or um you know whatever the the thing is rather than having parents that shut everything down and and deal with it now it's a, a moment way now it's a moment yeah 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 grab that camera <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's it's something that presents itself um even small time too i have a friend that's an emerging chef um and she puts great content out there and i spoke to her what's her handle give her a shout out uh chef samantha her. george chef um, george chef samantha george on Instagram. Okay. Samantha G O R G E. Oh, there she is. Yeah. yeah good friend of mine. Cool. Um, you know, there was one moment that I said, I said, man, it must be hard to kind of put the camera down sometimes and just, you know, do what you're doing. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's sometimes you you see something and you it's almost like in that split second do i make this a moment and put it on camera or do i just enjoy it and i i see that being something that the pull of that continues to grow as you kind of get more and more followers because you just think oh that could be content that could be content yeah yeah when was the last time you made something or did something that you were the only person that enjoyed it I think I'm learning to do that now. But when In was the last of, time? Like, does anything come to mind? Yeah, maybe the, like the last, um, some of the last videos that I posted on, on my TikTok. Um, because that's the whole point of it. The point of it is to just rediscover the creativity. So like I said, I was drawing since I was a kid. But mm. that passion slowly died off because I always try to make it something. It was so much a part of my identity that right. more and more I was like well 
this is such a big part of me, it has to be something. And so eventually it just, you know, it crashed and now I'm rediscovering it. Now I'm, I'm doing these different things. And so like, you know, I'd pose the same question to you. Like, do you feel like you're embodying more of that space of doing creating for fun or as you're creating, do you kind of get pulled to think, man, like I, I kind of want this to be something. I mean, I definitely want it to be something. Yeah. But um, I've had a few pursuits start to take off and become successful. Mm. And I shut them down because I didn't like the direction they were going mm. or the life that I could see five years into the future or 10 years into the future if I continued with it. So I've, I've, I kind of, I'm pretty stubborn. And so I would like to think that if my TikTok account blew up or my YouTube channel blows up once I start working on that again, that I'll keep it true to me um, and do what I want to do. And you keep bringing up Joe Rogan. I think he's like a prime example of like, you don't have to do one thing and you can do whatever you want mm -hmm. and have it be successful. I mean, he has whoever he wants on yeah. that show. And it is different every single day. And I'm a listener. Like, I I love Joe Rogan. I've discovered a lot of new podcasts through him. And um, I know a lot of people say that he's an extremist or whatever, but I don't see it. Like, anybody that listens to him. It's, it's hard to call him an extremist. He's extremely yeah. level-headed, and he goes into ideas that he disagrees with with an extremely yeah. high-level maturity. Yeah, he's open-minded and... Um, seems to genuinely care about what people have to say, even if it's not necessarily what he wants to hear. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I draw a lot of hope from that because um, every time I'm like worried, like, oh my gosh, like what it, I've posted a few things on TikTok lately that haven't quite worked. I'm not sure if it's due to a shadow ban or because um, it just wasn't good content, but mm -hmm. I've been pretty comfortable um, being uncomfortable with the idea of like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there because I wanted to make it. I'm going to see how people respond to it. And if they don't respond to it, we're well, fine. Like I'll keep posting what has been working. Um, you got to be happy with what you're doing at the end of the day, you know, because sometimes I'll ask friends, like I'll ask you, Richie, what would you do if you woke up tomorrow and Jeff Bezos was like, Richie, I heard your podcast. The NSI, NSA was spying on you, and they sent it over to me because they thought I'd like it. And I loved it. Here's a billion dollars. Go do whatever you want. I would freak out. If you had a billion dollars, though, would you still be making this podcast? Why or why not? Or what oh, would you do? Like, if you had a billion dollars and somebody showed up and was like, here, this is for you, except the condition is this. The condition on the money. So it's not Jeff Bezos, okay? Sure. It's, it's a genie shows up and is like, listen, Richie, a billion dollars this is yours to it you could do whatever you want with it there's no stipulations on it except that you have to be working on something every single day yeah. or every single week at least you have to be working on something some passion that whatever that is yeah is up to you it can change the world or it could just be private so like if that happened what would you do like what would you choose to spend your time working on yeah it would definitely be this like my heart is in healing like the young Richie that was struggling with the balance mm -hmm. between like I do want my art to be something but I also want to keep enjoying it like every creator struggles with that the bigger it yeah. gets is is 
the the the, the blurrier and almost thinner that line becomes because you have to feed the beast as it cre- as as any endeavor grows it needs more food exactly but and that's the tough thing about being a creative because there's just one right. of you it's just one and yeah. everything you do i think as a creator comes from like this very quiet still undisturbed place Mm. and everything you do outside of that kind of disturbs it a little bit so that's why I think that line is so fine because you kind of have to step out of that space to like build the business to grow it to market it to hire people that's not the essence of like Chris that's not the essence of Richie or any creator and so I think that's why a lot of creators you know sometimes with the more money they get they pour so much into just like hiring people to do as much as possible because they just want to get back into that space where everything was in order right the the most interesting case that i heard of this happening was a uh creator who created the show adventure time um i don't remember his name right now embarrassingly pendleton ward that's his name Okay. And he is a showrunner, was a showrunner. But anyway, the show got to the point where he had to say, you know, guys, I'm not enjoying being the showrunner for this show. I'm going to hire another showrunner and I'm going to do storyboarding. And if, you know, anybody listening to this doesn't know, storyboarding is not, I would say, the most glamorous part of the creative process of any show it's like one of the early dirtiest lowest not lowest but it's not glamorous like a showrunner or like the person who finishes things so it was super obvious that he was losing himself and he's like i just want to make storyboards i also kind of run the show and give ideas and da, 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 but i just want to make storyboards wow it's gutsy yeah but awesome awesome he did that yeah and i think about that a lot because it comes back to what you were saying right like in five ten years whatever you create or i create like are we going to get to that point like oh i just want to be sitting down in front of chris and just talking or sitting down in front of people just like having a decent time having a good chat like joe rogan i think he's like it's almost like the dream right that's the dream yeah yeah i don't think yeah i'm thinking about well i've been playing around with i mean i want to do everything you know but um I'll probably wait on a podcast until I have like a better idea of what it would be. Mm. Um, except sitting down and talking with you, man, makes me really excited because this has been an amazing conversation. It's like really, really cool. Um, but it's interesting because like people crave, they crave that. And, um, but it's tough because now it's such a super saturated space, you know, like it is a saturated space to start a podcast. Um, but yeah, Joe Rogan, he, he's got to figure it out because he, he like the everybody wants to be on his show because it's so big. Mm. He just gets to sit down and just talk with people, you know, and connect on a personal level. And like, I really think that we're wired for that, you know, like probably if you if you launched yourself back a thousand years, that's what you would be doing at the end of the day is just like sitting down with your buddies and seeing if you get it can make each other laugh and talking about you know the crazy Whatever. guy in the next yeah. village yeah. yeah exactly 
Yeah, and and like you'd be t- discussing the barbarian horde. They're like, man, anytime they can just like come over the hills and wipe us out. You know, people. I, I mean, know. people are wired for talking about things that are funny, that are gossipy, and that like are are scary too. Which yeah. is why Alex Jones is so big because he's like yeah. so good at tapping it, but Everything. it's dangerous too, yeah. Yeah. right? Because like if you're in a small group a thousand years ago, and like. You, there, there's real need to be on edge all the time and be like ready for that barbarian horde to come over the hills and, and wipe you out because like it's yeah. a real possibility and so we respond to that it's interesting to me that people don't tap into the fact that you know you're maybe being played by your side it's happening on both sides you know i man i could talk about five o's about being played i was talking <laughs> to a friend about that yesterday that a lot of the emotions that we have today about topics were manufactured. That's 100%. A, that's, that's like the deepest. That's like, we're not going there. We're going to have to have seven podcasts before <laughs> we do. But, you know, that's what I told him. I said, you have to check yourself because a lot of the emotions and even the thoughts, the certain phrases that people used, it, it's all manufactured. And you'd be surprised how far back that goes. How do you feel about young, successful creators, like the 16-year-olds that, do really well like when you think about that and you scroll through TikTok, and it's just like a 16 or 18 year old just crushing it i mean there's part of me that wishes that had happened to me <laughs> yeah you know? when i was a kid i wanted to move to la and become a movie star you know yeah and i was like mom can we move we gotta move to california i know i could be on the disney channel yeah you know like i wanted to be a disney channel actor and my mom yeah. was like shut up <laughs> You know, <laughs> you'll never be one of those. I don't know what yeah, accent exactly. your mom has, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, she's from Mexico, so okay. Um, you know, does she say it in Spanish? I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, she uh, she's awesome though. Um, yeah. I'm glad my mom didn't move us across the country so that we could pursue her kids. You know, that like wouldn't work. Whim, out, like <laughs> exactly. When you're a kid, you know it's gonna work out. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I don't know. I think that um, I think about this for my kids, though, because mm-hmm. they're going to grow up in this world where everybody's on social media. And I'm really conflicted about it because on one hand, I feel like you should be creating something, even if you don't know what it is you want to do with Absolutely. it, because you could go through like three or four like reinventions of not yourself, but like what you want to put out to the world. And if you're genuine about it, people will follow you. And then when you have that, like, moment where you realize this is my path and usually it's by accident that you find that and you start like building momentum and it feels right and you're passionate about it you already have like a group of people that are following you for you and yeah. i talk with like a lot of business owners about this because they struggle building their brand on social media and it's because like what they're sharing on social media is propaganda it's polished it's gone through hr and pr yeah. and everything and they're it's soulless at that point but like they don't want to be real because there's risk to that but yeah. i think that it's it's valuable so the sooner you can do that and start putting stuff out there that's real i think the better but i also think there's like a lot of danger to being successful before your time for, for two reasons the first one is that we like people are wired i think to always be pushing for better Mm. um especially if you're a creator like if you're a creative and you are making stuff because you want to make stuff you always want to do better than your last one and when your peak is in your teens you have the rest of your life 
basically to either coast or start to decline. Yeah. And that's a really hard place to be, I think, is when you know your best days are behind you. Yeah. Um, it's a lot easier, I think, to constantly be building and seeing progress. So I think that's why a lot of child stars end up having problems is because like the, the success comes too early. You're known for what you did, yeah. not what you're working on. And then, you know, the, the second issue with it is that um, I don't know if we're meant to uh, have so many eyeballs on us and positive reinforcement for wacky stuff we wind up doing that goes viral because if you're young and that's the game you're playing your developmental years are being spent trying to please other people and a lot of the love that comes through social media is empty you know like people just type out a bunch of hearts and it means yeah. more to you than it did for them to type that into the comments and i think when you're developing that's a difficult we don't know how that's going to affect kids so i'm really conflicted on it and um on you know on one hand good good for you if you can make a few million dollars in your teens and you, you're set for the rest of your life and you've got influence and you've got people behind you you're gonna have an easier life financially than a lot of people but um i don't know i don't know how if do it's you, like how do you think yeah. you're gonna manage that idea that you just mentioned about like okay you know you have kids you know that i know you know like this is a creator economy it's really yeah. the creators that are are making the meaningful noise now and people prefer to see a face than a brand it's it's just what it is <clears throat> a branded face sure but yeah. they want to see something that's genuine because what what's the past 100 years of advertising been it's just very like buy marlboro it's amazing it's it's it still you're has that doctor you're doctor <laughs> right remember like and like oh, smoking is healthy <laughs> it's like what <laughs> like we look back on that and think what were they thinking <laughs> exactly you know but with your kids knowing that the skill do, do you have kids richie no not yet Hopefully okay so. yeah um but I, I think about that too for my future children too because i know that the creator is a business the creator as the brand is the next thing whether that's i don't know how big corporations are going to leverage that i don't know yet no i agree with you though dude you want yeah. to know so crazy and i don't know how much time you have we've been here for like an hour and a half. i can't yeah, good yeah going? i'm good i'm good i'm enjoying it go ahead <laughs> yeah me too i just didn't want to like no no, no let's vibe it out yeah i don't know how long you're planning on having these be or whatever but um it's all good yeah yeah, um, I forget what we were talking about. Well, I was saying the create. No, that's fine. This, the creator as a business. Okay, so yeah, yeah. Um, the creator as a business. I agree with you a hundred percent that that's the direction that things are going to go. So I don't know. I feel like against my best judgment, if if my kids want to create, I'm going to help them. Hmm. Um, I think that I think that if parents are involved with the process, they can help their kids manage a lot of the stuff that's not real. Um, and I think that probably, you know, that's probably how I would do it going forward. I'm going to be like, look, we're you are fortunate enough to have access to thousands of dollars worth of like 
low low professional grade um, equipment and editing software just because of what I do for my job. Like I have all this stuff already. Mm. I'm going to tell my kids, I will help you create your stuff, but you got to listen to me or else all that stuff goes away. Like you can't mm. use the cameras. You can't use the editing software. Like I'll make, we'll make what you want, but you got to listen to my guidance along the way. Um, I think that'll probably be, that'll probably be the stipulations that I yeah. have on it. I want to, I want to push on that a little bit. I want to see how, if I can stretch <laughs> that idea to its limit, cause watch this. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that in a way you're in a way you're kind of doing like YouTube light, like you can create only the way I want? So I wouldn't put stipulations on how they create their content. Oh, okay. It would put stipulations on like what they do with their money until they're uh, 18, right, right? On how they deal with their followers, on whether or not mm. they spend time reading comments. Um, the comment section, I think, is like, you know, oh, for a so child, a yeah. danger, you know, a, 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 oh, yeah. a teenager, a dangerous place to be. Oh, yeah. So so I would put no restrictions on what it was they created, how they created it, right. because I think they know better than I, you know, by that time, they're going to know better than me right. what is worth making. But in terms of like brand deals, if somebody reaches out to them with a brand deal, I'm going to say right. from the very right. beginning, I'm going to say, listen, kid. I've been here and we're going to be really careful about who you decide to endorse, if anybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to let them make a lot of the decisions themselves. But like there's going to be some some things that if you go against me on something that I feel strongly about, all the equipment, all the help, all the support goes away. It, I was it's not going to be that. anything about how they're creating. Okay. It's going to be about all the other stuff that surrounds that in the event that they blow up. What would you say, because that's the next scenario, with, with a creative doing even half decent work long enough, they will get traction. Yeah. We, we've seen it all the time. Creators that continue to make extremely mediocre content, but they're very loud, they're very attention grabbing, and they post constantly, and they have multiple millions of followers. So, yeah. you know, one of your kids blows up, what's the game plan? You know, that's a good question. Um, again, I'm going to leave that mostly in their sure. hands sure. because I think that you're, I'd be um, giving my kids a crutch if I gave them too much guidance. Mm. Essentially what the deal is going to be is like, if I say absolutely no on something, you listen to me or all the stuff, you know, all the equipment, all the support goes away. But I'm not going to do that unless I feel very strongly about it. So, you know, a good example is brand deals. One of the things that doesn't make sense to me is that creators will get into creating content because they want the brand deals. Mm. But if you're valuable enough for a company to reach out to you to promote their product, why haven't you given the forethought to making your own product? that you market yourself that you believe in. And you don't have to have that nailed in when you start creating content because mm -hmm. it's putting the cart before the horse. But um, by the time you get big enough as a creator to start turning into an influencer, people are like, ah, oh, they're sell out. You know, like you've sold out. Like you are killing part of the person that started the thing in the first place when, you know, I don't know, 
who it is that's going to sponsor you to promote their stuff. But like, you're not the one winning. You're working for them now. Like then mm. you are working for a dozen different corporations that are going to be, you know, ready to drop you at a moment's notice when you make something that isn't what they wanted you to make or you, mm. you know, you, you say the wrong thing on accident. And so that's one of the things where I would tell my kids, you know, like, look, those are my thoughts. You do what you want. Um, if it was like a really shady company that wanted to um, sponsor them, then I might put my foot down and be like, you know, absolutely not these people. Here's why. And let them decide whether or not they want to, you know, pull the plug on their channel and start over. It would be funny if, in a way, like the prodigal son, right? It's like an old biblical story where, like, they, they like, ah, oh, damn you, father, I will do as I please. And, like, goes out and I'm like, damn you father you were right <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, you know people got a, my daughter is one of those people she's right probably gonna learn a lot of hard lessons sure sure but she's also probably you know gonna do some amazing stuff because of that but um yeah i what are your thoughts though i mean you said you've thought about this yeah for your thought kids about this you know lot. when you have them yeah i've thought about this a lot the number one thing that I think about children is they're way more capable than people realize. Um, 100%. At, at, yeah. at almost every age. Of course, they're fixed. They can't walk. Okay, sure. But what I mean is there's a, a much higher capability of thought. Um, I raised one of my stepsisters. Well, two of them. But it was very interesting to task both of them with things that would seem above their age and just to watch them figure it out. Poorly done, sure. Mm -hmm. But I saw the correlation between, like they don't even have the synapses to understand what they're doing, but with enough practice, they could actually do something. And that's sort of the philosophy I would endeavor is to sort of push the capability of their reasoning within the bounds of obviously what age they are. But, you know, I've, I've seen um, my friend Samantha, I mean, she's allowed her very young kids, and you probably watch it on her um, uh, Instagram, to, to go to a store to purchase something and come back. I mean, they're young, five, six-year-olds. You know, wow. Um, but it's it doesn't surprise me because they're just tiny adults. And my philosophy as well is, if you treat them like a child they'll grow into a child but if you treat them as a young adult as a tiny undeveloped adult then they will naturally grow into the product that you're ultimately hoping for them to be in so yeah that's how i would approach it um i could talk about this for ages i've been reading like <laughs> Like the, one of the first magazines I read was a child psychology magazine. And like that got me hooked on like how the brain develops like as a kid. And then like as I was 13 going up, it just like always fascinated me why there was like this universal underappreciation of like child brilliance. Because it was mm -hmm. like, you are a child. This is your thought process. This is how you should think and play and do things. You are a teenager. This is your thought process. This is how you should think and play and do things. And then all of a sudden you're an adult and say, like, all right, you're on your own. So wait, what? 
the last instructions I got, I was a teen. What's going on? You know? Exactly. I also think there's like a lot of like genius level um, performers and creators that are younger just because mm. they're too young and too inexperienced to know that what they're trying to do is a big undertaking. So they yeah. just do it. Yeah. You know, like once you realize like, oh, whoa, what I'm doing is, is really hard, mm. then it becomes really hard, you know? And I, I agree with you too. I, I think that the future of um, just marketing in general is going to fall onto content creators mm -hmm. because I don't know if you remember this, but um, I'm sure you do. During the pandemic, um, it was like two or three months in and all the huge corporations like came out with these like uh, commercials that were oh, like, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're here for you during tough times. So <laughs> buy a six pack of Coca-Cola, yeah. you know? And, uh, and it was just this like such, so obviously fake yeah corporate the piano crap yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it was so cringy it's cringe but they like don't even realize how how cringy it is and i think that people are like are becoming more and more hyper aware to like um manipulation tactics that corporations like that are implementing and um i think that the creators that wind up getting big and are careful about who they do deals with are going to have like so much opportunity in the next five to ten years because Huge. of that Huge. um and the companies that don't see that coming are gonna be crushed well maybe they won't be crushed because maybe they'll run everything <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah, no. Yeah, maybe they'll they'll control all of it. Do you? They do already you, do. Do you? Do you see the? Do you see creators as the new source of um, distribution? That's kind of what you're saying. Whereas, like before, what were the sources of distribution? The newspaper, the three or four major you know um news outlets yeah. or whatever to tell you hey buy this new bestseller or do this you know the television companies but you're now seeing hundreds of thousands of people become kind of their own distribution sources yeah i guess to an extent for sure um i know my wife doesn't listen to any official publications of anything really mm. i mean she she will go to like official sources to do research but when i mean usually what she ends up formulating opinions on um mm -hmm. you know products to buy or services to use or places to visit it's always coming from somebody that she's followed right that's what i meant actually i didn't phrase it yeah. properly but just like how for instance viacom is and probably was 50 years ago the place to have your advertisement being shown or run as a commercial you know you have massive creators that are probably now the place to show your brand like for them to just wear your shirt would probably blow your business up that's what i meant yeah maybe though i mean I, it's really hard to tell i feel mm. like there's like a very small portion of people who are are influencers mm. that actually carry influence because we like i said so my wife and i my wife is a photographer 
Um, and we've done a lot of work for like influencers and I've been really surprised at how someone can have half a million followers on Instagram. Oh, you want to hear something crazy? This will blow your mind. Okay. So there's a, a influencer that I know and like half a million followers on Instagram, really big YouTube channel. I I can't say who it is because, um, (laughs) I guess they wouldn't want this getting out, but, um, so we helped them film some stuff that was advertising um, products that they had been sent as part of a brand deal. And their brand deals, they're charging like anywhere between $5,000 and $20,000 for a brand deal. And they did not get a single order through their, um, their posts that they did. And it turns out mm. that's pretty standard for them is that they don't like, and they know their audience is not going to respond to these brand deals. They know mm-hmm. that, but they mm-hmm. keep taking them. So it's like this really well-kept secret <laughs> among their family that like, if it got out that so much money was being wasted on, um, but they have know, tracking on, codes. You know, I don't know why that, uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I don't know exactly how they get around that. I do know that they don't have repeat, um, uh, sponsors. Mm. Um, I think there's probably something, um, laid out in their agreement so that they are not sharing metrics from other companies because we got to protect, you know, our other our other partners, um, I think is probably how the conversation goes. So that way they're like, so their game, like the, the game they're playing is always getting a new New sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than returning sponsors because none of their, um, promotions end up working. And I bet you that that is like a huge, like, I bet you that's a really common thing among influencers. Like, um, you know, I have 75,000 followers on TikTok, but, and it, it's generated some new business for me, but not what you would think it would. Um, it hasn't really bumped up my business at all in terms of income. I've had more interest in our services and a lot of people that you know I'm in talks with, but even promoting myself, which is probably much more effective than promoting some random brand. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's really hard. I think that the people that actually have social pull and influence they're very far and few few and far between um it's a cat and mouse game because as the consumer gets more sensitized to being sold to which yep we hate being sold to but we love to buy things right <laughs> and oh, yeah. as the consumer gets sensitized to what is an ad i think also businesses are going to get sensitized to which creators are worth their ad dollars and it's also a tough tough thing too because if you're the creator and you have somebody reach out and they want you to do a brand deal what do you say this is what you've been working to you know like this is it oh finally yeah yeah but i won't do it like i won't do brand deals like i've had a few people reach out to me and be like hey we have this product will you will you share it on your tiktok Hmm. was it like a tech thing 
Um, I had one water bottle company okay. and a watch company. Mm. The watch I was really excited about because I was like, mm. I really love watches. But then I looked at the watches and I was like, these are trash. No. <laughs> Wasn't a Rolex, I assume. Not a Rolex. Nope. <laughs> Far from it. Um, but I'm sure if Patek Philippe reached out, you'd probably um, jump on that. I don't know if you know Patek oh, Philippe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, I, I wanted to ask something to you because you do or you did talk about the the future of design. Um, and I guess we can you know, probably wrap it up there. I'm sure we can spend so much more time. We, we touched on so many things that I know if I went deeper on it, that's at least another hour that we could spend talking. But well, we could always do this again. Oh, right? of course. Of course. The future yeah. of design, the future of the Internet as it relates to design and the future of the creator as it relates to the internet as it relates to design tell me your thoughts mm, I don't know man <laughs> that's a tough question <laughs> you spoke about this on your TikTok give me your, just, just tell me kind of some of the things that you think there is really gonna here's what what do you think is going to be the most or some of the most important skill skills that your kids are going to have to learn to be able to make it 10 years from now? I think it's communication is the answer for you mentioned design. That's mm -hmm. that is the answer for everything. That's the answer for the future of the Internet, the answer mm -hmm. for what makes good design, the answer for being able to make it. Um, as an employee or an entrepreneur because like thing is attention spans are getting shorter but not I mean people are listening to Joe Rogan for three hours you know we've been talking for um, almost coming up on on two hours and it went by really fast yeah. it's like how often do you get to sit down and talk to somebody with like that's new that's willing that's willing to talk that's this is a tangent but um, and sure. I won't let it go too far, but I think what's really interesting, especially among men, is like I never really fit in in high school because I love to talk. So most of my really good friends were girls, mm. you know, much to my dismay because they would always tell me about their problems. I don't wish that. I just wish mm. that guys were like mm. you. Mm. If I could just mm. meet a guy like you, I'm like, I'm a guy like me. <laughs> you know, it's like, that wound up. <laughs> no, 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 you're the friend. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stay, stay in the friend zone. Um, yeah. It ended up working out. But um, like, I think that men who have a more, I've been told, is a feminine communication style where you mm. like to talk. Um, there's not a lot of that in real life because most guys like have a bunch of walls up and they don't want to appear like, they don't want to appear too femi or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, but you end up not being able to like, communicate with people you don't get to share ideas and get to know who someone really is or it takes a really really long time and uh but yeah so i i, I sort of think that um that's a skill that a lot of people especially men haven't cultivated is mm -hmm. clear concise um easily understood communication and messaging and so when it comes to design that's something that I see that's missing from a lot of websites that come to us at com completewebblaunch.com is, is where my business is online. And they'll come to us, they have all these problems, we look at what's been designed and it's beautiful, but 
it's either A, not communicating a message, or B, it's not communicating a message and it's also not providing a clear path for their customer to find like the solution that they're looking for. And the internet is like falling into chaos because people aren't allowed to communicate in a way that's like free and open and you've got censorship which makes people even more rabidly uh, hang on to their opinions and, mm. and look for alternative ways to get them out there people are like very distrusting of each other because we're not communicating well with each other and at, at the end of the day i think in terms of the internet I, i'm like really hopeful um when it comes to uh ethereum um which i'm not sure if you're super familiar with ethereum it's a cryptocurrency i i'm um, familiar with crypto and i apparently ethereum is gonna have a forking and it's gonna change all that stuff yeah well do you know what ethereum is so ethereum from what i understand it is apparently what the creator wanted bitcoin to be which was cryptocurrency that can be built on top of versus what bitcoin is which is apparently just like supposedly purely just a yeah, so that? Bitcoin is is yeah. like a decentralized store of value. Right. But what Ethereum is, which gives me a lot of hope, is it's a decentralized platform. Right. So right. it is like the internet. You could think of it as the internet, but no one controls it. Yep. So you it, it's in its very early stages now, but the idea is that, yeah, <laughs> the idea is that within five or ten years, people can deploy dApps or decentralized apps mm -hmm. on Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So you would be able to go to an app store that is supported and run on Ethereum and download an app or a browser or whatever, you know, maybe a new version of Twitter. But if this new version of Twitter lives on Ethereum, the entire network has to agree to changes that are made to that decentralized app. Mm -hmm. Because it's being run by mining machines from all over the world, you can't pull the plug on one of them. So last year, I think it was last year, there was an app called Parler mm -hmm. that was launched. It was sort of like a right-wing alternative to Twitter. And um, it started to grow really quickly because there were all these people like Alex Jones who had been banned and deplatformed from Twitter forever for saying the wrong thing. So they were like, well... Let's make our own app where you do have free speech. So all these right-wing people who, you know, unfortunately there was like a lot of QAnon um, followers that wound up there, like a lot of crazy people because those tend to be the people that are early adopters of anything. You know, like the earliest adopters of Tesla were probably pretty annoying to talk to. More than likely. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, probably so. have their fully smart home operated body temperature control. It's like. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Super up in your face about it. Yeah. So when you're yeah. talking about right wing um, people who are super passionate about whatever their beliefs were that were being censored on Twitter, like I was not on Parler and probably never would have downloaded it. But I can only imagine what was being shared on probably. there. Probably. Yeah. And Apple and Amazon. So Apple said, you know, we're not going to have you in the Play Store anymore yeah. because Apple controls it. And then Amazon, where they had their hosting, pulled their hosting. Their so AWS got, got yeah pulled. overnight. Wow. Amazon was like, "You are done," and Amazon shut them down. Interesting. So, if you run that that same type of app on a network like Ethereum, 
there is no one person who can pull something like that. So huh. Ethereum, e e Ether, I think it's Ether, is the cryptocurrency. That's, that's the token that people are holding as the store of value. And that's what miners get paid for running their mining machines where the Ethereum network is running off of. So they're compensated for running this. And, and the reason it's important is because as you're running that, um, that, uh, the node, as you're, yeah, as you're running, as you're allowing the network to run on your mining device, you are one of many miners. And if you decided you get, if you decide you're super upset about something and you want to shut it down, go ahead. You shut down your mining rigs, but there are, you know, 10,000 hundreds of thousands. Yeah, yeah. There's all over the world. Yeah. You can't shut it down and no one government, no one can come in and say, you know, you, you can't share this content anymore. You can't have this app anymore. You can't do X, Y, and Z anymore. And so, so what happens um, when a similar situation to, um, what happened in China, for instance, where China said mining is illegal. And I don't know if you know, but a, a large amount of Bitcoin mining takes place in China and they now had to kind of scramble to find other places that kind of disturbed the network a bit. That's my first well, question. It happened in China, but yeah. Bitcoin still exists sure. because there's miners all over the world. Sure. I mean, it would have to be a global crackdown and don't you, you know. think that's coming though? Because uh, the Maybe, governments don't like things that are sure. We got sure, other problems sure. if, if it gets to that point, you know. Because <laughs> you know governments don't like anything that's uncontrollable. You know, it's true. They don't like that. It just just any government. They 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 like having some control over their people. And the biggest, most effective, easiest way to control people is through finances which every government leverages in some way, shape, or form. Well, see, I think that's the thing that people misunderstand about um, Ethereum. Bitcoin kind of has this, like, um, decentralized finance culture around it, where, like, for a while, people were like, we're going to use Bitcoin so the government is going to stay out of our fi finances. Like, we're not using yeah. the... We're cutting the government out. But I don't think that Ethereum is going to be that. Like... And I don't think Bitcoin is going to be that. Like, for Bitcoin to exist, people have to be able to be taxed on it. Um, and the government, people realize, like, it's in this weird space where in order for it to survive, government has to be able to know what people are doing with their money. Um, and I think it'll go that direction. But I, I think that the real, especially with Ethereum, like, the real benefit of it is that it's a network that is decentralized and mm -hmm. you can't have an Amazon come in and say, Hey, this app that's running on this platform, it needs to go because Amazon can do that because they own AWS. Mm -hmm. GoDaddy owns their hosting platform. And if they determine that your website is problematic, they can pull it. They can do whatever they want, but you can't do that with Ethereum because it's not, there's not any one spot where you can pull the plug. From. Sure. But you know, but it, here's it would have to be a global, a global thing, global ban. I, yeah, I think history has this weird way of not repeating, but kind of rhyming, right? Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Now, if you look back to the early days of the internet, in a way, the internet was decentralized. 
right? There was like no one person running the internet. There was no the internet. In a way, kind of ish, technically, there still isn't a the internet, but there is a the internet space, which is, as you know, is run by Facebook, Google, so on and so forth. Do you think something like that might pop up again where of course you know all this stuff is decentralized all this stuff is going on great but off the top of my head a facebook google twitter kind of crypto comes out that's a hundred times better than ether bitcoin all the best cryptos combined what happens then well that's how it is right now um all of those organizations have better solutions to hosting apps, to sharing information, mm -hmm. to communicating, to sending money. They all have a much better offering in terms of like utility, in terms of ease of use right mm -hmm. now. Because Ethereum, Bitcoin, like all of it, they all have problems. And it's technical. But it's so, a lot of it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's really early. Mm -hmm. But the reason people are so excited about crypto is because they do not want, they don't give a shit about whatever Facebook or Apple um, or anybody else has to offer because they don't trust those companies. Like the, the writing is on the wall. Like the whole crypto space is all about like, um, you know, autonomy and, and freedom. Um, so people are willing to wait for something to come along. For, for all of these to de be developed to the point that they do have the same level of utility as Facebook, as Google. So Facebook or Google launched a cryptocurrency. People would just Facebook. laugh at it. Facebook launched they one. Did they tried, it? They, they tried, did they tried, sorry. They were I didn't trying even to hear get, about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was called Libra, I think, but. <laughs> oh my goodness. They got a massive amount of pushback because, of course, you can think Facebook exactly. making it, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Because everybody distrusts these massive tech companies. I think you... And they're in a tough position. You know, yeah. like, I, I think that crypto is the biggest threat to these companies that has ever existed. And, uh, you know, I feel like it's kind of our last hope. Mm. Um, just because we need decentralization so that people can be autonomous and live the way that they want to live without some giant corporation or bureaucracy yeah. getting in the way because then what do you have? You're going to have like a loss of art, a loss of creativity, a loss of comedy, a loss of everything. Like everything we love to consume is going to deteriorate into it's nothing stifled. because people need to, yeah, they, you need to be free in order to create. You know that as a, as an artist mm -hmm. and starting a new podcast, like, you have no idea what this is going to turn into. It might turn into nothing. It might become the biggest podcast in the world in 20 or 30 years. And like, you're going to be the guy like that mm -hmm. could easily, you know, not easily, but that could happen. It's not outside of the realm of possibility. But when, when you have gatekeepers that are saying what you can and cannot, cannot do or say, I mean, here's, here's the thing that's really scary about all of this to me is like the fact you mentioned this earlier, the fact that companies are going back to what people said 20 years ago mm. and deplatforming them over that. It's so like, we've been talking about, you know, I don't know, we've, 
we've been talking about like Alex freedom. Jones and freedom of speech and all freedom of things. speech. Yeah. What if in in 20 years that is not a thing anymore and you're yeah. the biggest podcaster on planet Earth, but they dig up on episode one or two or five or whatever number this is or 10, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how, how many of these you've, you've scheduled, but you know he was talking to chris claflin who's really problematic that guy you know the the revolutionary from 20 years ago and so <laughs> what kind of guy is richie my we, we social score starts going down exactly yeah exactly do you watch yeah. black mirror i've seen a couple episodes yeah it's pretty scary stuff <laughs> it's scary now it's scary. when it first came out it was like wow this is wild yeah but now it's like it's so many things are like either have happened or are on the like, verge of happening on the horizon, or, yeah. yeah it's scary it's scary um especially when uh one of their most popular episodes about the social score that lady uh that's a that's a big thing in china the the social yeah. score and and you being yeah. barred from public services and trains and even sending well, and now in australia is trying to roll that really? out really i did not Have know you not that. Been paying attention no no what's no, no, no. oh my gosh dude Oh, if you want to get paranoid, start taking a look at what's going oh, on in Australia. Jeez, <laughs> what? They what's the on, shift? I don't know. They are on. Okay, everything that Alex Jones talked about happening, right, right. Australia followed it to a T. So you cannot leave your house anymore. Um, you're restricted to a three-mile radius of where you live. If you're caught outside of that radius the police can fine you like thousands of dollars what about rural areas that doesn't make sense i think it's everybody um i mean i've watched videos of people being pulled out of their homes in the middle of the night by police for not being vaccinated um and uh the other thing that is really disturbing about australia right now is they have these they have camps that are set up that people are in and live streaming from. So like right. you get to keep your phone, but you're going to a camp of trailers where you're quarantined for an indefinite period of time. And then Australia is like, I don't know if it's been released or not, but their government has announced an app that every citizen needs to download onto their phone. And you're gonna have like random check-ins where your app is going to, you know, ping or whatever. And you have to take a picture of yourself in the location where you're supposed to be with you have 10 minutes to do that to take a photo Whoa. to prove that you are either in your home or at your job or wherever and if you don't get that photo uploaded within that 15 minute period or if there's something wrong with the metadata of the photo that you upload or the geolocation or all that stuff yeah then the police will come to check on you and see why you're not where you're supposed to be and who says where you're supposed to be like i thought it was australia like my wife and I, a year ago, were like, you know what? Like, what if shit gets really bad in the United States? Where would we go? We're like, maybe we would go to Australia. Because Australia is <laughs> the wildlands, man. The worst place to yeah. be right now is Australia. Yeah. I thought that would have happened in Britain first because Britain doesn't have a freedom of speech uh, amendment like America does. So I thought... Yeah, neither does Canada. Yeah. This is something I'm going to have to look into. Yeah, you um, should check it out. That's yeah. that's wild. You're 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 scaring me. So, Chris, thank you for coming on, man. Like I know we could go yeah. a lot because there's so many things <laughs> that sure. we could talk about. So to wrap it up, I have three questions um, for you. Where can people find you? 
Um, I'm on Instagram at Christopher Claflin um, and TikTok at Christopher Claflin. Okay. Um, and what book have you recommended the most and why? There's a book called The Compound Effect um, by a guy named Darren Hardy. And it is the most impactful book I've ever read. Um, and in a nutshell, it is it basically lays out how everything you get in your life comes from really small, insignificant choices that you make. They're seemingly insignificant, but when you make them every single day, the, the small, insignificant things we don't think about are what wind up dictating where we are 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And that time goes by fast. So um, if you have time, it's a quick read, The oh, yeah. Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And as a, as a point B, because now that you said that, I'm so curious, like after reading that, is there like a, like in one or two sentences, what kind of change did you try to make to your life where you continually try to make? Um, like I try to do this now. Yeah. Um, so I work out every single day and I watch what I eat every single day. Sometimes I don't make the right choices, but um, there's an analogy in that book about a skier going down a mountain, and you never see skiers going straight down the mountain. Mm. They're always making course corrections over the top of a straight line. So very rarely are they ever on the line straight down the mountain to the lodge. Um, they cross that by checking themselves frequently. Um, so I take care of my body and then I try to create something every single day as well and, and um, try to keep in contact with people that are important to me and um, those are the things that I do every day to <laughs> me yeah and that's I think more important as time goes on because many people are, are losing people like crazy and you never think you know tomorrow could just be the day you know exactly um, yeah. Last question, if you could, and I actually got this from Tim Ferriss, it's such a great question. Yeah. Um, if you could put a billboard on Times Square and it could just say anything, what would it say? Or or just put a billboard in Times Square and it could just display whatever you want. Whatever I want? Yeah, whatever you can say, whatever you want. Would it have to be something that came from my mind? No, anything. How long is the billboard up? Um, let's call it a week. Okay. So if it was a week and it could be anything that I wanted, and it doesn't necessarily have to come from my head, mm -hmm. I would put a billboard up of um, a live feed of every major politician, both on the left and the right, for that week. Mm. Um, I don't know if those are the rules, but I would want people to see what is going on behind the scenes. I'd probably pick however much space I have for however many screens I have. I'd pick big politicians and the people that run tech companies um, so that people could just, because uh, I'm curious. Um, meaning and, like their uh, daily lives? Um, meaning, or what do you mean? Meaning... Uh, if, if there was anything I wish I could see, that I wish I could see, that I wish I could share with people, mm. that I'm curious about, that I think would also solve a lot of problems, is I wish we could see what, what people are really doing. These people that we like blame the problems of the country mm. on, I, I, I want to know if they're actually just incompetent, if they're evil, or if it's something completely different. Like if it's 
just a big misunderstanding and all of the problems that we have is just because like it's too big of a machine to run or maybe they really are criminals and crooks like I, if there's anything that should be on Times Square that I wish I could put out there that would be it because um, I want to know and yeah. everybody else probably wants to know and um, if you want to bring the country together that would probably be the way to do it because my, my guess is that people would be very disappointed in their side yeah um, I think the left would be horrified and I think the right would be really embarrassed and I think everybody would come together and you know decide like this ain't cool um, yeah because that's the number one thing I'm most concerned about right now is uh, just kind of the direction of things and yeah. I wish there was something we could do about it man I I have a, another hour's worth of conversation based <laughs> on that but we're wrapping it up Chris thanks again um, I appreciate it yeah Richie this was super cool uh, yeah. I'm glad you let it run as long as it did. That was awesome.